Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We're delighted that you're in the house of the Lord this morning. Continuing on with our theme for the year of 23, getting out of the boat. Now, last week we talked about Peter. Peter was in the boat along with the other disciples, and uh, there was the midst of a storm, and Jesus came walking to them on the water. And they were all afraid, thinking that they had seen a ghost. And Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, encourage me to come. Ask me to come. And the Lord simply said, what? Come. And he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. Well, you may say, well, he, he, he sunk. Well, he walked a whole lot further on the water than any of us. Amen. And if you want to walk on water, you got to what? Yeah. Get out of the boat. Amen. So we're going to talk about getting out of the boat one more time this morning. And uh, this time we're going to find that there's a new calling. Peter, don't stay in the boat any longer. You've been fishing with your family. It's time to do something different. I have a call upon your life. See, I believe that every person in this room today, and all of you that have joined us online, that God has given to you a talent, and he's given to you a spiritual gift. And when those gifts and talents, when they're aligned up, and when they're used according to God's will in our lives, we find personal fulfillment and we also find that the kingdom of God is expanded because of our talent and of our, our gifting that God has given to us. But also, conversely, when we have received gifts from God and talents from God, and if those gifts and talents are not used in the right place at the right time, the right season, with the right heart, we find a lot of frustration. So if you're in the room this morning and you feel like, you know, in 23, I want to find the sweet spot. I want to find that spot that God has created me for. Because I believe that out of a puzzle, just as there's one particular, you know, piece of the puzzle that will only fit in that one particular place, I believe that God has a very special place for each and every one of you. And in this year of 23, we want to find that spot of how we fit into the big puzzle of God and how we can make a difference in this world. Now take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Starting in verse 18, it says this, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. I want you to notice the times here where it says immediate. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately, there it is again, they left the boat, their father, and followed him. Now look at verse 19 one more time. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now this morning, for the next few moments, what we want to do is we want to focus in on the life, the calling, and the ministry of this man called the Apostle Peter. His parents named him Simon. He was known as Simon the son of John. You see, at that time, they did not use first and last names. And as a result of that, if you go into a community and you'd holler out Simon, probably 10 Simons would come out. 
But if you would say, Simon, son of John, now you've narrowed it down. You know, the Scandinavians did the very same thing. They, for many, many generations, they only would call, you know, it would be Christian would be one of their names, or Oli would be another one of their names, or Hans would be another. And so they put son on it, Hanson, Christian son, and so on. And so we find then, in this particular account, he says his name then is to be Simon, son of John, or son of Jonah. Now, Peter was Jewish. He was so Jewish, at times it got him into trouble. He was Jewish, however, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. He was a rough and tough commercial fisherman. You know, Peter lived on the north end of the Sea of Galilee in a small community called Capernaum, which was a fishing village, and to some degree it is still a fishing village to this very day. Peter was a married man. We know this because of the fact that when Jesus was in Capernaum, that he went over to Peter's house and healed his uh, mother-in-law. So we know that Peter was married. He was a married man. He and his brother Andrew, they were in business together, and the business was fishing. His manner was a bit crude, and his language was kind of tough. Peter was hardy. He was fearless likely weather-beaten by, you know, the sun that he would be working in the long days, laboring out in the sun. He often spent all night fishing, and then he would spend all day mending his nets and repairing the boat and selling the catch. Now, of all the men or women we find in the Bible, I think Peter is the one that we can relate to the most easily. It's because Peter is so human. You know, we look at some of the people of Scripture and they seem so perfect that we don't think we could ever, we could ever identify with them. They just don't seem to make mistakes. Uh, Peter's one that's, he's truly human. He vacillates a lot in his life, in his attitudes. He goes from faith to fear, stability to instability, from courage to being a coward, strength to weakness, hope to despair. Yep, I don't know about you, but I can identify with this guy called Peter. Now, I want you to consider with me now for the next few moments this morning, getting out of the boat, a brand new calling. It all starts with a brand new name. Simon was given a brand new name, and that brand new name was given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ on their very first encounter with each other. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, starting with verse 35. It says the next day, John, in this case, it is John the Baptist, all right? So the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he, that is John the Baptist, said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did, and I find this so touching, how he's concerned about his brother now, 
the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now this was Simon Peter's very first encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and what an event it was. It was his brother Andrew that brought him, the Bible says, to Christ. I love the way brothers watch over brothers. Simon and Andrew, they must have had a relationship that was quite unique with one another. I think it was somewhat like what my father and his younger brother Ernest had. You know, they were peas in a pod, and I watched this as I was growing up. My father, when he left Phillips, South Dakota, to go to the eastern part of South Dakota, his younger brother Ernie followed him and left Philip and came to, to Sisseton as well. When my father went into the automobile business, Ernie joined him as a partner. When one got a dog, guess what? The other one would get a dog. When one bought a Cadillac, the other one had to have a Cadillac. When one bought a house in Phoenix to winter in, the other one bought a house in Phoenix to winter in. But you know, out of all these likenesses and all of these things, the greatest joy that I saw in my father's life was the day when his brother Ernie started attending an Assembly of God church with him there in Phoenix, Arizona, and the day that he raised his hand, recognizing his need for Jesus Christ. So Andrew said to his brother Simon Peter, we have found the Christ, and I want you to meet him too. He's everything that we've longed for, everything the prophets told us he would be. It is evident that these two brothers, fishermen, have been seeking after the things of God long before this, for they have been followers up to this time of John the Baptist. You know, Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 says this, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. And so they probably weren't quite sure when and where or if they'd ever find Messiah. But their hearts were longing after him. And as a result of that, the Bible says, if you will seek me, you will find me, if you search for me with all of your heart. And so it was with Simon and with Andrew. Now Simon's first encounter with Jesus was absolutely transforming. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you remember the very first time you encountered the presence of Jesus Christ? It's life-changing, isn't it? And though years pass by, it's the thing we will never, ever, ever forget because it transforms our lives. I want you to listen now to what Jesus said to Simon. It's found in, verse, or in John rather, 1, verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. That is Andrew, his brother now. Peas in a pod. Brother brings his brother. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. I can just see Jesus kind of looking at him. He says, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when it's translated is Peter. Now I want you to look at that phrase there. You are Simon, son of John. Remember now the two had never met before. And yet Jesus knew him. And not only did he know Peter, he also knew his family lineage. He says, I know who you are. You are Simon, the son of John. 
Then Jesus changed his name. Listen to what happens next. You will be called Cephas. All throughout the Bible, you'll find that whenever God changed the name, the new name declared a brand new mission for their life as well. If you go all the way back into the Old Testament, you'll discover Abram was changed to Abraham, which means a father of many. And this was given to him, this new name, long before he ever had a child at all. Matter of fact, he was 100 years old before his first child was born of, the, of, the, of, of promise, and that being Isaiah, or Isaac, rather. And so Isaac then, he had only one child, and he says, you're going to be the father of many. So when the name was changed, the mission was following the name. Sarai was changed to Sarah, which means princess. And again, it's princess of many. Or Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. He was kind of a scoundrel, a thief. He was one that would be willing to take, and take advantage of anyone. And the Bible says his name was changed to Israel which means one who struggles with God, one that is not going to give up, one that will stay right in the fight until he gets what he wants from God. If you go into the New Testament, you'll discover Saul. His name was changed to Paul. Remember, he was on the Damascus road. He was heading up to Damascus. And the Bible said the reason why he was going there is going to find some Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem, have them tried as heretics, and maybe have them stoned to death, as was Stephen. And so we find here that his name, listen what it means. It means to pause. It means to stop. It means to desist. So Paul received a brand new name, and that brand new name was like God is saying, stop what you were doing before. Start a brand new way of life. Then we get to, uh, to Simon. Simon is Hebrew. That was his given name by his parents, which means hearing. And Jesus said, Simon, I'm going to have a new name for you, and you shall be called Cephas, which is Aramaic, which means a rock. And the Bible says it can be translated Peter, which is Greek, which the word is Petros, which means a rock. So Peter, a rock. And at the same time, I believe that Peter must have had a lot of questions racing through his mind. What is this with this rock thing? His new name was part of his brand new calling. And the Lord knew that one day he would need to do more than just listen, though he must listen. He must be as hard as a rock. He must be strong. He must stand against all kinds of opposition. And your name represents that. And so I change your name. I give you a new name. You will be called Cephas, a rock. I want you to see the call to follow. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 4 once again. And in Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 18, there's a call, and the call is to follow. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, <clears throat> casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the next verse says, verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now this was Peter's second encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the sequence of events, the first time he encountered Jesus, his name was changed from Simon to Cephas, meaning a rock. Now, 
there's a subsequent thing that's taking place. Peter and Andrew are working their nets, as they'd always done, and probably in their minds they were going to do that until the day they die. However, there must have been some very interesting conversations, I think, in the boat between Peter and Andrew regarding what had happened when Peter first met Jesus, when Jesus changed his name. And I'm sure they were saying back and forth to one another, I wonder what that means. I wonder what the Messiah meant. If we have found the Messiah, and the Messiah, when we met him, he said, your name, Simon, is going to be changed to Cephas. A rock, what is all this about? Now suddenly, while they're in their boat once again, Jesus appears to them and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now the call at this moment, come, is a call to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is one that is an understudy. Jesus called Peter and Andrew that day in the same way that the rabbis of the time would invite students to follow them and be tutored by them. The term they would use was, come, follow me. And it went on to say, and I will make you fishers of men, which clearly points to their future lives and ministry. So Peter and Andrew then one day would gather men and women into the kingdom of God as they had gathered fish into nets. Now they would be fishers of men. However, to become a fisher of men, it demands one thing that's vital and absolutely necessary, and that is to spend time with Jesus. You see, time with Jesus is God's primary way of preparing leaders. Good followers are the best leaders. Let me say that again. Good followers are the best leaders. Remember when Jesus encountered the centurion? The centurion said to him, you don't have to come to my house. I'm a man of authority under authority. And so... Jesus, in this moment here, he is calling them. And he's calling them to be followers, disciples. Peter and Andrew, they responded, the Bible says, immediately, leaving their boat and their nets behind them to follow after Jesus. Now, it's important to understand here, at this point, they responded to the call to follow Jesus as disciples and not apostles. I want you to see this. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 10 now, verses 1 through 8. And the commission is now to go. Listen to what happens here. Matthew chapter 10, starting verse 1. Jesus called his 12 what? Say it with me. Disciples. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them what? Authority to do what? To drive out impure spirits and to heal how many disease? every disease and sickness. Now, look at verse 2. Something happens between verse 1 and verse 2. He called them as disciples, and now he calls the 12 disciples to him, and he gives them authority. Listen to what happens in verse 2. These are the names of the 12 what? Have you noticed that before? Between verse 1 and verse 2. The followers, the disciples, the learners have now been called apostles. First, it is Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, 
Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and then Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Start there. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have have received, freely give. It was graduation time. The 12 disciples were now ready for empowerment and commissioning. They were ready for apostleship. It was time now at this point in their lives and ministry, all the input they had received must now become output. Friends, you can take in, take in, take in, take in for a lifetime. There's so, so much we can learn. However, there comes a time when we're responsible to give what we have received. Remember Jesus said, freely you have received. I've lived this out before you. Jesus modeled, taught, and emptied himself into the 12. He modeled and he taught pure and holy living. The importance of God's word when dealing with temptation and dealing with situations. He had referred to the word. How to deal with sickness and demons and devils. They had seen him open blinded eyes to heal the sick. How to cast out demons and devils. Jesus modeled all that for them. He had compassion and he showed them how to have compassion and grace and live a life of humility. What they really were was apprentices and now they were ready to become journeymen. I give you authority or exousa. I give to you this mastery, authority. And what is the authority over? It was over sickness. It was over demons. It was over disease. It was over crippling things. I give you power. I give you authority. I give you mastery over these things. Apostle is a delegate. It's a sent one, an ambassador. It is one with legal power of attorney. Jesus is now saying to Peter and to Andrew, and he goes on a little further on the shoreline, and he sees James and he sees John, and he says, now I'm calling you out. It's time to get out of your boat and go fish for men. He changed Simon's name. He called Peter to follow, and then he commissioned Peter to go. Friend, you'll find this played out over and over throughout the scriptures when he called before their life, whatever the mess was, whatever they were involved in. You know, somebody said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Someone else has said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always have what you've always had. And yet sometimes we're afraid to step out of the boat and into the new calling of God. We're afraid to step out as though we've not been prepared. Friends, God will never send us until we have prepared ourselves, and that's where we become disciples. 
and we come and follow after him and allow him to empty into our lives. And then as he's emptying himself into our lives, he says, freely you've received. I want you to freely give. I want you to take and find your place in this generation like Abram becomes Abraham, like Sarai becomes Sarah, like Jacob becomes Israel, like Peter has now taken on a brand new ministry and a brand new way of life. I think of these brothers out on the Sea of Galilee day after day, and God looking upon them and saying, you know, I've given you gifts and I've given you talents, and they're not for fishing. They're for fishing for men. And I've got a calling upon your life. And friends, some of you, maybe you have been very frustrated. You feel like a square peg trying to go into a round hole. And it just doesn't fit. You get up in the morning, you dread going to your job. You see, I'm not saying that everyone has to leave your job and to take off and become full-time ministers of the gospel. We need people that will fish as well, amen? I enjoy a good fish fry. We need somebody that's going to fish. We need somebody that knows how to, how to work a kitchen. We need people that are in every realm of life. We need teachers. You know the old saying, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. We need them all. However, for some of you, you become frustrated. And your days are long, your nights are are longer, and you're saying, I dread getting up in the morning and going to do the same thing over again. Maybe it's because God's gift and God's talent has been misappropriated. And for Peter, he said, I want you to come, follow after me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Peter obeyed, and the Bible says he did so immediately. You know, that word immediate there, I think, is very, very important in this context. You see, when the Spirit of God is moving, we all sense and feel something at moments of our life. And some of you are sensing that and feeling that in this room right at this moment. There's this gentle tug of the Holy Spirit. But how many know that if we reject that voice of the Holy Spirit or put it off or delay it, that sometimes it gets lost? And we've all had that opportunity. You know, he's called us into something great, and we said, Lord, I'll, I'll get to it. But Peter said, I'm going to do this right now. And it's really pretty amazing when I look at that, because this had been the lifestyle of, of Peter and of Andrew, of James and of John. And it says of James and John, when Jesus said, come, they got up out of the boat and literally left their father out there in the boat. And I'm sure the father was saying, what in the world is going on. I raised you guys to be fishers. You have learned the trade, the ply, ply it to daily life to make a sustenance for yourself and, and to help feed others. And here you're, you're chasing after this Jesus guy. You know, let me speak to you parents for a moment. Parents, if you're not real careful, you'll discourage the plan of God in the life of your son or your daughter. I don't want my son or daughter going off into the ministry somewhere. I don't want them moving far away as a missionary. I don't want them doing this, that, or the other thing. And if we're not careful, we, we stand in the way of God's call upon their lives.
And some of you in this room right now, you've, you've got talents and abilities. And you know in the back of your mind, they were given to you by God for a greater purpose than what you're currently living. And for others of you in the room, you've, you've passed through your whole vocational life. And now you're saying, you know, I've got these skills, I've got these talents, abilities. God, where do you want them to be used now? And I believe the Lord is going to give direction and redirection to many of you in this room in these next few moments. Maybe you feel like Peter this morning, like you failed him. Peter messed up, you know, his, his messes. But the Lord met him once again down by the Sea of Galilee. Remember what he said after he had failed the Lord and denied that he even knew him? He said, I go fishing. You know what he was saying? I'm giving up on this apostleship thing. I'm giving up on this whole business. I have failed the Lord so bad, there's no hope for me. And what did the Lord do? The Lord asked him three times, just like he denied him three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And each and every time he said, I want you to go out and feed I want you to feed my lambs and feed my sheep. I want you to get back to the real reason why I created you and the reason why I made you. Maybe you've become disappointed in something that's happened in your life. You've abandoned what you know to be the, the plan of God, the will of God, and the call of God upon your life. And I believe he wants to restore that fire this morning. And if you sense anything about this message and this tug of the Spirit this morning, in the next few moments, I'm going to open these altars. I want to pray for you. But I think of the word immediate. Because I'll promise you, if you walk out of here and there's been the tug of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you didn't respond to it, by the time you get off the parking lot, you're going to be thinking about where I'm going to eat and what's going to happen next and what's happening the next day. And our minds get so caught up so quick in so many other things and it gets lost. I don't want the voice of the Lord or the call of God or his commissioning to you or that tug of the Spirit get lost. I want you to respond to that this morning. And I believe that when you rise up from your seat and you get ready to come to this altar, you're stepping over the gunwale of the boat saying, Lord, I'm leaving it all behind. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to be called Cephas, but if you call me a rock, I'll be the rock. If you want me to, to fish for men, you'll have to equip me. And he did. And Peter, he fished, and he did well. And my prayer is for you, that when you stand before the Lord one day, as the Bible says we all will, and give an account for what we have done while in these physical bodies, that we'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant exactly what I created you for is what you have done. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you want to get right with God this morning, let me invite you to come. They're going to sing, come up. I want to pray over you that you'll find that spot for this season, for this time. Not for yesterday, that's gone. Nor for somewhere down the road, but at this very moment, this juncture in your life, that you will come to know God's plan. God's will, and that he'll lead you into greater fulfillment than you've ever known. You come as they say.